dreams that um my alarm was going off and I had dreams that um that I was on the call that I was awake <laughs> do you know what I mean you with me <laughs> yeah or that like yeah, I'd, I I'd, like told you like oh, I'm still sleeping and somehow it was okay and um and then and then my alarm went off and it was like 5 34 and I'd, I looked at my phone and we had not, in fact, had a conversation. My phone was on airplane mode. <laughs> I know. I, I texted you and we could tell, you know, when it doesn't go through. And I was like, oh, I bet she's sleeping. And I was like, okay, I'll give her five more minutes and then I'll, and then I'll go. Because um, I know it's very early where you are and it's been long days. It's been long days. Hey, it was a really smart idea for me to travel um, almost every day in May. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm, I'm really thanking my past self for planning it that way. <laughs> I was when I did it. I was like, "Oh, it'll be great. I'll just get it all like in one month. I'll be fine. <laughs> I can do that." <laughs> Shit. No, I know my Uber driver well. yesterday. Um, from the, from LAX, um, he, I got in the car and I'm like, I want to die, you know, like that's how I'm feeling. And he's, and he goes, I got an email and he's sitting there and he's looking at me smiling. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, they told me Jolly Holly was on the way. And I was like, yes. And and I'm nice. And so I was just, I like laughed and then, um, and he just look, was looking at me and then he's like, um, I got some waters for you and there's, and he's like, there's some delicious mints back there too. And then I was like, thanks. And, um, he was so nice. It was such an affront to my, um, evil feeling. And, um, I, um, and I, and I was very nice back, but, um. He kept on asking me. He kept on calling me Miss Jolly Holly. And it was so funny. It was just the wrong words to be using. <laughs> right. You're like, I don't want to accept that at all. But you're so nice. I know. But it was so funny because he just was like sitting there. He wasn't pulling out. We're sitting in LAX or in the like lane. And he's just like turned around and looking at me. And he, t- he says it so slow. It took a minute. I got an email. Isn't that funny? Miss Jolly Holly. That's really great. Yeah, sometimes, you know, Gabby Bernstein said at She Recover, she's like, God works through the internet, too. And sometimes God God works works through through Uber Uber drivers. (laughs) Yeah. We had, um, well, this was a wild thing. So we landed in Austin, and I got an Uber. The last time I was there, I think Uber was running, I think, but... 
So the Uber comes and we get in this guy's big Dodge Ram pickup truck. First like, time. Well, no. First time, so, right? Yeah. And I was like, I haven't ever been in a Uber in a pickup truck. He's like, yeah, I get that a lot. He's like, y'all know that Uber just started back in Austin like 30 minutes ago. <laughs> like, what? what? I'm so confused. What? He's like, yeah, it's been down for like two years. They haven't been running. Yeah. Well, and then we, so, and then the no. next Uber we got in, the guy, it was the, it was like the best part about it was the guy was like, we get in and he's like telling us we shouldn't use Uber. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you guys should do rideshare Austin. That way the pe- the drivers at least get a profit from, them. and I'm like, wait, we're in your car. We called you. you you're <laughs> driving for Uber. Don't hate us. What happened? No. Well, the funny, I mean, I hate Uber. Like, I hate Uber. Um, I really do. And um, they're they're an awful company. And like, I get it. Like, I I mean, like, I did not have to tell like explain that that the um that Uber most likely like pressured the governor of Texas. Like they they're awful. Yeah. They have really awful business practices. But um but I also have been using Uber since like two thousand and started. Yeah. They were like San Francisco is the second city and, and you used to not be able to get a cab in San Francisco and it was um I didn't have a car for you know right. and so um I was I was left stranded a lot of places. Like you would literally be out and like I don't know dog patch or soma and it would be eleven or twelve and you would pray like that that yellow cab would answer your call or that a taxi uh. might happen to be to, like coming down the street um, and it usually didn't happen and I'd been kicked out of like cab drivers had kicked me out of cabs not for being drunk like that I mean maybe yes but like also just because they didn't like me. Um, or like oh, I refused to take me places because of where I was going. Yep. I don't want to go there. And like, so when it came on the scene and it was on a black car service only, it was really, um, it changed my life. Like it changed, like totally. I actually Same. could get a ride. Um, whereas before I had, you know, and like, um, had, had been without like, you know, not only without wheels, but without anyway. So, um, and they were, I mean, when they started, it was. Um, the, the drivers were really happy. Um, and then, and then mm-hmm. Uber X came on the scene and that was when, you know, you started to see Priuses being turned over by <laughs> the cab companies and anyway, um, but, but anyway, so I like, I, they have awful business practices. Um, but I, I still like, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I guess I'm married to it. You know, we, we all make our, we all make our choices. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah that's about all I have to say on Uber Laura (laughs) (laughs) can we just can we just talk about Uber yeah I mean we did so So you and I just got back from Chicago and Austin yes and um, how is that for you oh so good yeah. So, so, so good and so wonderful and got to see so many people um, in real life for the first time that we know, you know, on from social media or um, emails and stuff like that and see other faces that are familiar as well. And it's just, it's just the best. It was great. And I loved both of those cities. Oh my god! Both of those cities are just wonderful. Like they are like cities I would live in. Um, I know. 
I left mm-hmm. Austin feeling like, cause you know, that psychic said maybe Texas and I was like, maybe Texas. Um, mm-hmm. but no, it was just so, the, it was so, I mean, it's, it's overwhelming. Like there's not enough words and there's, you know, to actually like mm-hmm. explain what it feels like to, like there was, you know, and, um, and, and both workshops are people that have been through my program and, and some people that I've just like known so intimately through, you know, through the internet <laughs> and, um, <laughs> it's such a, um, it's overwhelming to actually meet somebody that you, that you know that way, um, in real life. And, yeah. um, one of, one of the women, um, wrote me yesterday and was like, I don't even remember what I said to you. Like I, and I didn't say the right things and, or like, and I <laughs> was like, um, I was thinking about it, like how it's just, you, you know, I mean, there's, there's lifetimes of things to be said between, between, you know, um, between us because there's, there's, this is so deep and, and so like, you know, every, like, it's not just, you know, if, if I've had an impact on somebody, it's, it's that they've, you know, had an impact on me and it's like that soul connection, you know, like, um, like the woman that wrote me was like, I know I was supposed to find you and I know on the same level that I was supposed to find, you know, this woman and, and all these people, like right now we're supposed to find each other. Like it's that, you know, it's, it's that really beautiful totally idea that we, you know, we were meant to, we were meant to. And, and I also feel like, you know, people that we, we feel that way towards we've had connection with in other lifetimes because, um, you know, Eastern philosophy yeah. and reincarnation. And I'm going somewhere with this. I promise just a second. <laughs> I know you're like, yeah, yeah, no, but it's, it is like, um, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to put into words what it feels like to actually like touch somebody. Um, I just kept petting people when like I hugged them, like petting their arms and like saying like, hi, like it's you. And, um, mm-hmm. anyway, it is, you know, you and I talked about this and, and I like, I don't think I'll be, um, I was like, I don't want to teach yoga workshops anymore. It's like not, I want to, I want to do talks, but like, I, I never want to stop meeting people in, in real life. Um, yeah, I know. That's, I think that's like the, like that's, it's a surprise thing that, um, I didn't expect, but I really like, I want to be around our people a lot. Yeah, and, me too. No, it's the absolute best. It's wonderful. Yep. And I, I love doing it. I'm yes, you are a born yoga problem. teacher. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I, I love, I love doing it. So, whatever that means. Um, yeah. So, speaking of born yoga teachers, nice. <laughs> born teachers, nice, like that. I do Transition. like that. Mm-hmm. It's not on purpose. Um. We are introducing um, an interview that we did with Nikki Myers uh, a few weeks ago, more than a month ago now. We did it before we had actually met her in real life at She Recovers. And Nikki is, uh, she's so good. She is the founder of Y12SR, which is the Yoga for 12-Step Recovery program. And she... um, yeah, she's a yoga therapist, a teacher, a somatic experiencing practitioner. She uh, also founder, founded City Yoga uh, School of Health in Indianapolis, in where she lives. And we just saw a, few, a bunch of people from Indianapolis. Um, yeah, she 
she, I heard her name for a really long time before I actually looked into her. Like I remember Sean Korn way back when I went to one of her workshops at Kripalu was like, go find Nikki Myers. And then Elena said, go find Nikki Myers. And um, it's been on my list to like study with her. And I actually just signed up for Y12SR this summer. So. I know. I'm so excited for you. I need to do oh, it Oh, well. I know. It just worked out. It came, it was, I've tried for a couple of years, but it just never lined up like the dates or whatever. And she's coming to Boston this summer. So it was totally perfect. Um, mm. But she's lovely and wonderful. And she's um, we were. T- why were we talking about how beautiful her skin is? Obsessed with how young <laughs> she looks. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I know. She's like like Sean Corn. Like you see her and you're like, are you twenty or thirty? I don't even know. You're yoga, just, you guys. Just, yoga. No. Um. Yoga yeah, works. I know. I saw her. We saw her at um at she recovers in real life, and I've seen her. I followed her for a couple of years. She's been on Tommy Rosen's thing for a couple of years now, and and a lot of people that have been through my school have been through her program, and um, I um, I was shocked by how young she I know. looks. You just, you just stare. And it's not like, even wow. that. It's that her, it's that she's a happy human being. She's a really beautiful, happy human being. And she's one of those people that just glows and emanates the light. Um, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Like she's very sattvic, <laughs> right? She's very, I agree. she's beautiful. Um, and not just in the physical sense. So, um, yeah, this is, and this is such a good talk. Um, I, I, I felt like we could have talked to her for forever and, and I do hope we get to have her on again. And, um, yeah, I, I think she's just, she's such a, she's such a great teacher in, in every sense of the word. Yeah. Um, she is. She when she did her talk at She Recovers too. Um, I know everybody that's listening can't watch it, but she has a lot of actual videos online and stuff. Just go listen to her talk because um, her message, especially about codependency and um, her story, is is really really powerful. And she's just got a wonderful way. So she does. She has a wonderful way. Mm-hmm. Here's Nikki. Hey, Nikki. Hi, how are you? Great. How are you? I'm great. I've been looking forward to this. So have we. We wanted to do this for a while. It's funny that we're just doing it now, but I think uh, my friend Annalise Latini um, went through your training uh, and Yvonne FIFO. I, I think a couple mm-hmm. of our friends have gone through your training, but um, I that was about a year ago, and, and um, I'd been I, I'd been looking forward to reaching out. I think since then, so um, a huge fan. Excited to have yeah. you on. Yeah, well, I'm glad it's happening. Good. <laughs> So I think what we want to do, I mean, we are both, we're both yoga teachers and um, obviously both in recovery. And I, in our, in other interviews that we've done, like with um, Sean Korn and Elena Brower, they, um, you always come up. And so Mm. we wanted to talk about your work from a, from a few different angles, but it would be super helpful. I know your story because I've heard you um, talk a few times, but I really want our listeners to hear your story because I think it's so powerful. Um, if you can talk about, you know, not the whole history of using and all that, but sort of where you came to when you first got sober 
and your experience with relapses and then um, why you started Y12SR? Well, absolutely. Um, You know, I I always say I don't care where I'm speaking or what I'm doing or where I am. I I just talk about it the same way. I'm I'm very grateful that uh, in May I'm actually going to be doing some work with Harvard. And and if I was in front of the United Nations, (laughs) I'd say the exact same thing. And it's, hi, I'm Nikki. I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a codependent. I'm the survivor of both childhood and adult sexual trauma. I'm a love addict. I'm a recovering debtor spender. And and the and is such a big word here. I am the founder of Y Professor, the Yoga 12-Step Recovery. I'm an MBA. I'm a somatic experiencing practitioner, which is a trauma healing methodology. Mm-hmm. I, I am um, the mother of two living and one deceased child. I'm the grandmother of five. Wow. And <laughs> I'm, I'm actually now a great grandmother, right? Oh, my <laughs> so, God. No. <laughs> it, it's true. It's true. I'm a great grandmother. And, you know, I love saying all of that in the same sentence. I really do with that big and in between. Um all of those things inform and are information relative to my walk in this physical plane of existence. Mm-hmm. And none of them define me. None mm. of them. And what I've discovered is that when I make one set of things great and wonderful and you know praiseworthy and another set of things bad, awful, and wrong, what I do is create a split, that there's an internal war going on inside inside of me Mm -hmm. and when that happens you know um it's such an uncomfortable position that i want to use something when that fight is going on and you know i've discovered in the course of my years in recovery that i'll use anything you know i'll use (laughs) a a drink a drug uh a a cookie you know I'm notorious for just using anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so you know, what I've discovered is through my path took me through the 12 step, has taken me at, through the 12 step program and yoga. And with those two things, I've discovered this path of reintegration of all parts of myself, all parts of myself. And, you know, my uh, addiction took me into some perilous conditions for a while. uh, I I spent quite a while in commercial sex work and, you know, what program calls jails, institutions and death. Mm -hmm. All of all of those things. I know all of those things. Mm -hmm. And um, it's reintegrating all those parts as well. It's the reintegration of all those parts. And, yeah. and, and again, for me, it, it's been yoga and the 12-step program that allow that kind of reintegration. Right. But you like, and I love that. I think I heard you say um, it's like the disease of the lost self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I speak of that when I talk about codependency. 
Uh, part, uh, part, yeah, part of Y12 SR includes, uh, the whole Y12 SR program per se, includes a piece around codependency. And uh, that's the way that I define codependency. It's the disease of the lost self or the disease of looking elsewhere. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. And that makes total sense. I mean, addiction could, could be that too, but you, so first, I don't know why I'm curious about this, but where'd you grow up? (laughs) Uh, I grew up right where I am right now in Indianapolis, Indiana. Oh, okay. I always have to picture like the person that we're interviewing. I need to know where they came from and I need to know where they're sitting. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay. So, so Midwest. All right. So, um, you obviously though, like you didn't put to get, talk about how you, how yoga came in and how, um, yeah, 12 steps, the timing of it. I'm, I'm curious about when 12 steps came in and then when yoga came in, like in what, what time span? Absolutely. So, um, I, you know, it kind of varies. It's too funny. I was actually introduced to yoga in the seventies and <laughs> yeah, what was yoga like seventies, <laughs> um, uh, a little different, a little more isolated than right. it is right now. You certainly couldn't find a yoga school on every corner. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, the seventies were a time when you know there were was was a lot of alternative thinking going on. Yeah. Um, you know, think about it. The Beatles were popular and all of that. So there were a lot of things, a lot of alternative thought. Why did you like on. it, or why were you why were what were you interested in then? Um, just doing something different. I was interested in finding a different way to process reality. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that, you know, what I saw in my own family system was not resulting in a lot of joy or a lot of, a lot of happiness, (laughs) And, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, there was a lot of dysfunction and, and, and many other things. And so I was looking for something alternative. How and, old were you around then? Uh, uh, I, 14, 15. Oh, so you're young. Young, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I was introduced to it then. And uh, really, uh, uh, really... Actually, I should take that back. I was 14, 13, 14 when I took my first drink, right? So um, uh, I was introduced to yoga a little bit later on, a little bit later on, maybe 18, something like that. And again, I was um, uh, saw something there. I knew that there was something there. However, I always say men and sex and you know, drugs and something, I guess, more interesting at the mm-hmm. time, kind of diverted my attention. And um, and so uh, I found my way through the whole drug alcohol uh, paradigm, if you will. Yep. And, and um, uh, I found the 12-step program by the grace of God in 1987. And so you were pretty young then too, like you. No, but I was thirty-four. Okay, when I, when I'm I bad with time. <laughs> yeah, so am I. So I skipped please. a decade apparently. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you. So <laughs> what made you go? What um, brought you to the your first twelve-step program? 
Oh, my knees brought me to the first one step program. <laughs> By the time uh, that had occurred, I'd been through the domestic violence. I'd been through the prostitution. I'd been through, you know, jails, institutions, and death, right? Yeah. By the time, yeah, by the time I, I finally got there. And so, you know, I found my way there in, in 1987. And um, the story is, you know, I stayed clean for eight years, you know, yeah. through, through just working the 12-step program. And in that course of time, went back to school. That was when I finished my undergrad degree and I finished my, um, my MBA at that time. I finished the undergrad degree with straight A's. I finished... <laughs> I finished the MBA with just one B. I always say I still have a resentment with the hussy that gave me the B. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still, I'm still, wor- I still got work to do. I would too. If there was just, if there was just one B that I was looking at in my history, I'd probably be mad at it too. But. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, um, you know, start doing some really good things according to society and all that in life. Um, I lost one of my children. I got my, my uh, son back with me. So my daughter and son were with me at the time. Okay. And uh, I started uh, uh, doing a whole lot of travel with the company that I was with. And uh, I ended up on a trip to uh, do some work in Amsterdam and when I tell this story, I always talk about it from the perspective of I ended up in Amsterdam after, you know, just a really, really um, precarious, if you will, trip to uh, uh, to Europe. Um, I ended up where I was supposed to be, uh, which was Germany first, uh, Garmisch, Germany. I ended up there hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And uh, I made a decision by the time I got there to a conference, what was left to be served was dessert, and dessert happened to be orange sherbet served in champagne, and and I went for it, you know, and uh, then went back to my room and I drank like Denzel Washington drank at the end of the movie Flight. I really did. <laughs> oh and my God, yeah. that's one of my horror scenes, by the way. It like is. That, I, um, it is. It's hard to watch that movie. It's really hard to watch that. I had to watch that in my DUI class. <laughs> because it's because you know it and like when you say it like that, you just know at that moment it you like that moment when yes. he swipes the alcohol, like it's yep. like forever yep. and you know that moment, that's the moment I think so many Ugh. people are terrified of. So yeah. yeah. Well, I did it. I lived that. And yeah. and yeah, and it was a trip. And then I left I got up just like he did in that movie. I got up the next day, you know, he went to court, but I functioned and did what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And then uh, once the conference was over, I left Germany and flew to Amsterdam. And this is the amazing thing. And, you know, it'll start to get in a little way into the yogic piece. Yeah. Once. Once I got to Amsterdam, I knew exactly what to do, exactly where to go, exactly who to become, exactly how to talk to find my drug of choice in a foreign country. Oh, right? Yeah. And, okay. I know. I know. And and that's it, Samskara. That's it, pattern. Yeah. Right? Yep. That, that I uh, uh, assert that I can't bullshit myself about any longer, ever, 
that I have to know that that's always there and that there's a, a work of vigilance uh, at, a, at a level of attention required from me in every moment in order to recognize that, you know, not pretend that that's not there because I've, yeah. been, I've proven to myself that twice that it is, that it is. So um, I end up in Amsterdam and finally, after spending some time there, called some people and told them I was in trouble and made it back. Now, at this time, I was living in Boston. Um, oh, so, that's where yeah. I am. Oh, you are. I love it. I just left there. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. next time I'll have to see you. Yeah, and you're going to be doing work at Harvard. That's cool. Yeah, I live, I live in Boston. Holly's in L.A. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... So um, uh, I, I went back to meetings. Once I got back to the States, uh, I started going back to meetings. And, um, and, and truth is, I'd never really left meetings when all that happened. Uh, so but I, when I came back, I got back into a full program again. And that- were you, can I ask you, you know, was sure. that was that like, um, were you like, oh, I, I, obviously I'm going to go back. Was it, were you, were you? Using and drinking for a while before that, yeah. was it hard to go yeah. back? Uh, it was embarrassing to go back, mm, but yeah. not necessarily hard because I knew was I was in trouble. I right, knew yeah. I was in trouble. Right. Well, yeah. you've been, for eight years, I mean, that's a pretty, yeah. you'd built some sobriety. Yeah. You, knew what it, you knew what the difference was. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And so it was then in Boston that I was reintroduced to yoga. So I'm hmm. back in Boston, I'm back in program, doing the whole nine yards. And I was reintroduced to yoga. And first it was Bikram. And, <laughs> that was my and, first. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then I found Ashtanga. And I found a wonderful Ashtanga teacher there in Boston. And uh, that was when I really started getting deep into into yoga philosophy and, yeah. and, and to yoga practices. Every year, she would go over to India and study with Patabi Joyce. Mm-hmm. And she was doing a lot of work there. And one little piece that she would ask me to sub for was some work she was doing in a uh, quote-unquote at-risk. I'm not a big fan of that word. But yeah. at at risk school in in Roxbury, wow, and, yeah. and and I would go sub for her there, and it was a middle school, hmm. and the administrators in the school loved it when I would come. They would say, you know, like for a couple of hours after I left, that that those kids had a level of a, of attention and focus that they didn't see regularly. With yeah. Them. And that was when I got really curious. I'm like, what is it in this practice that would that would have that happen? Yeah. You know, and, and so I started studying everything I could find relative to that. And it was in the course of that that I started making all these similarities. You know, I'd turn a page to a book and go, damn, that sounds like the 12-step program. <laughs> you know? well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a lot yeah. of the philosophies are the same, right? I mean, yeah. 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 So that's so you kind of just put, started putting this together on your own just because you were in both worlds. I did, but then what happened was I decided that I, after you know three and a half, four years in, I just to this is it, after the first relapse, 
I decided that I didn't need the 12-step program anymore, that I had this new yoga thing and, you know, and I didn't need the 12-step program. So I left the 12-step program and then uh, stayed clean that way four years. And then I relapsed again. So it's been two relapses. And uh, it was after that second relapse that I realized that for at least for an addict like me, that I needed these two things combined in a way that didn't put them in separate boxes, that, that one wasn't here and one wasn't there, that I need them really, really married, if you will. And it was really out of that that Y12SR, the Yoga Toaster Recovery, was born. Um, yeah, and I was going to say I'm grateful to say it's 16 plus years now since mm -hmm. that last since that last relapse. So mm -hmm. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, wow. So I'm curious, I really want you to kind of dig into that. What you, what about yoga and what about 12 steps works together, but not separately? Like what, um, how do you see the two fitting together so well? Why do you think it works? And yeah. when you were just doing the yoga and not doing, you know, 12 step and you were just doing 12 step and you didn't really have yoga, like what can you just explain that a little bit more? Because I think people in general, we we definitely, Holly and I have very different paths of recovery and the people that listen all have very different paths. It's yeah. not like a heavy 12-step base. It's not right. a heavy. So I think people really need to hear what the difference is. And Oh, I'm happy. I'm happy to describe that. And, you know, I'm, I'm for anything that works. Yeah, right? yeah. absolutely for anything that works. That's right. Um, that that said, I'm also very interested in in serving uh, a population that oftentimes doesn't have access to therapies and mm -hmm. things that cost a lot of money. Yeah, and and the twelve step program does not for yes. a cog for a cognitive model. Yes. And, and so uh, and so it's important for me to address that aspect. That this I'm is glad you did. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, I think that's incredibly important to state. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll start with like the models of yoga and then I'll, I'm going to tie into the, the, the 12 step program with that. Truth is, when you go back far enough and research history, you'll see where even Dr. Bob and Bill Wilson, who are the founders of, yeah. of the A organizations, or particularly AA, yep. um, really, really had done some work where these things kind of come together. Um, uh, but I'm going to start with some of the models from the yogic perspective. And, right. and the first one is the model that comes from the Upanishads. It's called the Pachamaya Kosha model. So it's, the, mm -hmm. it's, it's what the ancients speak of as five bodies, right? That we have five bodies. And, uh, you know, these are just dimensions or layers of, of human beingness, if you yeah. You know, think it that way. And so the ancients say that we're not just one, but they're five bodies. And the first is the physical body, which, of course, is the body made of food. We really are what we eat. 
Mm-hmm. And then the second body, uh, according to them, is the energy body, right? Mm-hmm. So when when you go to a physician and they take your vitals, right? They're measure they're measuring energy in yeah. the, in, in the system. And the third body is called Manomaya. Mano means mind in Sanskrit, and the Manomaya culture is the intellect or the thinking behind mm-hmm. whose mm-hmm. function really it is to coordinate everything that comes into our, our system via the five senses, yep. right? It's to coordinate all the things that come in. Mm-hmm. And then the next one's called the Vigyanamaya Kosha. And the Vigyanamaya Kosha is, is if you think of Manomaya from the outside in, Vigyana is the inside out. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's our values, our motivations, our intuition, personality, all of that is fits within that domain. And then the fifth one is is Anandamaya, which means really this is this is the heart and not the blood pump. This is yeah. the the heart is the seat of love and intimacy and joy and devotion and all of those things. And so what the ancients say with that model is that when the bodies are balanced or aligned or integrated, which are words that if I took that word balance or integrated, you know, I could say yoga, right? So when, yeah. we're, when we're in a state of balance and alignment and, and integration between and among those five bodies, then what the ancients say is that we we're walking in wholeness, that we're walking in, in a, a sense of, integration and wholeness in our being. But when those bodies are misaligned or disconnected or, or um, you know, have a sense of separation between and among them, then the system opens up. And when it opens up, disease, dysfunction, disharmony, all the disses, if you yeah. will, have, e- have easy access into, into the system as a whole, right? So part of the goal of yoga is really, any yoga class really, is to realign the five bodies, right? But they get misaligned really easily. They get misaligned really, really easily. And so, you know, the whole goal is like in 12-step program, we keep coming back. We We keep coming back to the practices. We keep coming back to our mats. We keep mm-hmm. coming back to, you know, whatever it is, our meditation practice in order to realign, to right. continue yeah. to realign. And then hopefully, you know, over time, the misalignment periods might get shorter and yeah. all that. But we can easily get misaligned. So, right. you know, to know that's why we keep coming back. Right. So what the yogis say is that at the root of why we get why we get a disconnected, the root of our disconnection, is another model that comes, this one is, is primarily spoken of in the in the Yoga Sutras. And uh, it starts about Yoga Sutra 210. And the model is known as the Kleshas. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that when we talk about the Kleshas, they're spoken of as the seeds of disconnection. And what I tell students and what I continue to think about for myself is that, again, not to be mistaken, that those seeds are always there. They're they're always there. 
our work is to keep those seeds dormant. We want those seeds to stay dormant, right? Because they cause disconnection. They cause the disharmony. They cause all the disses, if right. you will. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, it takes work. Just like a gardener has to do the work in order to keep a certain set of seeds dormant, so do we, right? So do we. The idea is that we want to keep those seeds dormant. And when those seeds are described, you know, we can go into all of them, but the key one, I think, and this again is what for me ties yoga philosophy and the 12-step program together so beautifully the the root of this um, one one of the books. This is one of the first books I read. It's called um, "The Heart of Yoga" by TKV Desikachar. And when they're describing this model, they describe it like a tree, and uh, the the image is of of a tree, and the root of the tree is a vidya, right? And so in Sanskrit, vidya means knowledge. When you put the A in front of it without a line over it, just the A in front of it, it means not. So mm-hmm. this means this means misperception or false understanding or ignorance. Not like not necessarily like stupid kind of ignorance, but but don't know, right? Yeah. yeah. This is what I don't know. And right. I I assert that probably the most I don't know, dangerous person on earth is someone who don't know they don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so one of the things that I that I know is important in my recovery is to remind myself that I don't know what I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. And so and, and that keeps me and for, for me, it serves as as a way to keep me really in a state of humility right. around because I just don't know what I don't know. That's right. So. It's such an important concept. It's such an important concept. And that you'll always be that. That's <laughs> right. That's it. That's it. That's there it. is no going past that. It's That's, that's the state. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like in, in Western, in, uh, in Eastern philosophy, they talk about beginner's mind, right? Yeah. It, allow, it allows me to be in a place where, you know, I can keep that humility right. of, a, of a beginner's mind. And that your um, cup is empty, right? It's that, it's exactly. that old parable of, you know, where, where the guy's pouring the cup of tea and it's just overflowing. And when you come in thinking that you, ha- that you know what you know, like, then you it's end right. up missing the entire point of all things. And so it's just That's keeping right. an empty cup always. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. I think it's um, interesting. Oh, sorry. Oh, um, no. Go right there. Well, I wanted to say, like, for me, it's so interesting. I, I love that you started out in Bikram, um, you know, and, and I started out in Bikram yoga and I got into it because I was having panic attacks and it just seemed to kind of still me enough. Yep. And it was also really intense um, and it also mm-hmm. was really good on the body. Um, and so I was into it for very um, shallow reasons, you know, very, like, the reasons I was in it were not deep, even though I had always had this, like, call to Eastern culture since I was young. And so I, for me, it was, it was good enough. And and I, you know, and I never meditated and never really got into any, I mean, I thought, you know, Bikram was like a guru, like as in a, you know, like, you know, a guru. And so 
for me, um, I'd heard like other yoga was more real yoga and whatever. And I didn't get into the philosophy of yoga until years later. Like I got exposed to a guy named Rusty Wells when I was in San Francisco and that was the first time I chanted and that was probably about, you know, maybe 10 years ago now. And then, and then I got into, it, it wasn't really, I guess, until I got into Kundalini yoga. Um, and then I took a training from Stephanie Snyder, who's really in, who we've had on the podcast and is really into the sacred texts that I started to get it like it was a, a Kundalini yoga training was great and um, to under, like was phenomenal in understanding this. But I think it's so interesting, you know, the stuff that you're talking about. It is fascinating, and it spoke to me more than like the first time that I heard the yamas. The yamas, like when when you know when we're talking about like. Um, um, non-stealing, right? When we're talking about non-stealing and then we're talking about stealing and like gossip is stealing another person's reputation. For me, that was like the first time I had heard something codified so clearly that I understood if I wanted to be in, in integrity, right, that this was the way. It wasn't just gossip is bad or whatever. It was actually hearing it through this codification in this, you know, in the in this in this path towards enlightenment or towards what we're ascending towards, right? Um, that it actually hit. So I just think it's I think it's interesting. I, I kind of want to hear you talk about this because I do think like for a lot of people when you talk about yogic philosophy, it's so over their head. And for like for someone like me who now you know, I've read a lot of the sacred texts. Um, you know, I read the Bhagavad Gita. I've read it multiple times. I've read um, the Upanishads. I've read the Ramayana, um, you know, like the Pradipika. Like, I've read all of that stuff, um, and I get it, and I get it more and more, and I also know I'm always unpacking that stuff. But this, for it took me 10 years to do yoga before I actually got the hook, like before I actually yeah. understood it wasn't just about a physical practice. It wasn't just about asana. And so I'm curious of like how you, like how, how that was for you and also how you work with that because the concepts that we're talking about are, um, they're so hard. Like they really are, they go, they're, they're easy to miss for a long right. time. Right, right, right. I love that you just said that. Um, and that's one of the things that I love to do in, in, trading work and in all the things that I do um, I, I love to connect dots I really love mm -hmm. to, to, to connect all these dots and one of the things I really love to do is translate these things into practical application into life today that one of the things that say in the 12-step program is that it's by understanding and application that it works Right. And and that's the way that everything is for me. It's right. understand. Understanding is one thing. Right. But in order to have it be a really effective and practical piece in my life, it has to have application. You have to experience so, it. Like right, you have to experience right, it. Right. 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 And so I love to always I tell a lot of stories in, right. in, the, in, in the training about how these things have practical application in my life like for example the thing we were just talking about in in the five bodies you know when the five bodies get misaligned an example that i'll often give with that is how i used to be a big list maker and you know i, I, I the big thing I, I was so anal about it the first thing i put on the list was make a list because i wanted to see something crossed off 
because yeah. my whole value system was caught up in this productivity model that if I didn't get all these things done by the end of the day, that I was a less than productive person. And then I started feeling badly about myself and da -da 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 -da, you know, you go down that rat hole, right? Right. And so, and so what would often happen is I make this big list in the morning and then, you know, about two o'clock, about this, this time where it is now on the East Coast. And I look at that list and go, this ain't going to happen because my energy body was telling me something completely. Then my mind, the mental body was telling me earlier in the morning. So yeah. that, that's an example of the disconnection between those two bodies or or a situation where your mind is telling you one thing and your heart is telling you something else. Again, there's a, a disconnection between the two bodies. And the answer is not always follow your heart, right? If the answer is, my teacher says the answer to everything is it depends, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, so, so it depends. It depends on a context. It depends on a state of a whole lot of, of things that are going on in the in in my reality in, at that point in time. So I like to use a lot of examples, you know, and, and to what to the way that these things apply practically. Yeah, I think you were I think you were on a good track, like talking through even though these are like, you know, sort of high level concepts I think talking about you were saying you know the five bodies which I think is fascinating and even if you don't you know everybody can kind of at least sort of grasp that and they were talking right. about the cl the clashes right. and what other like so what what I you know what I'm hoping you do is say okay so those are the things that yoga was showing me and then these are the, the you know these are the things that 12 right. step was showing me and right. the bridge right. like why they work so well together so let me let me continue on a little bit with the clashes, just yeah. a little bit, because mm -hmm. this this was where things really opened up for me relative to the integration of the twelve step program and and yoga yoga philosophy and practices. Um, there is that thing of vidya, you know, the this misperception, and ultimately it's saying that we misperceive who we are, right? Yeah. We we misperceive who it is that, that we really are. And what the Yoga Sutras say is that this is at the root of, it says that avidya is the source of dukkha, dukkha mm -hmm. suffering. Mm -hmm. that, at yeah. the, that at the source of all suffering is this misperception. And of who we are. Of who we are, right? That yeah. we see basically everything through the filter of self. Right, that we see everything through the through the filter of me. When I there's this quote that a yoga teacher said one time that I love. The quote is, "I am content to see a mountain as a mountain, and not as a comment on my life." <laughs> I, I see everything as, as a comment on my life. <laughs> as a comment on my life, right? I see a mountain. I say big, but it's big only in reference to me. Right. Right. So, so knowing again that I see everything through that, and here's where that ties in with the with the twelve step program. You know, they'll often talk about. I first heard this phrase in a, a twelve step room 
that at the root of the disease is what's called stinking thinking, right? <laughs> and, and and I assert that avidya is stinking thinking, right? Yeah. <laughs> stinking thinking. It's the same thing. It's the and layman's we, terms for, for, that's for yeah. Right. That's right. That's right. And what Patanjali, as well as Dr. Bob and Bill W. from the 12-step domain were asking us to do was look beyond that there's something else that they yeah. call addiction a disease of, of self-centered fear, of mm -hmm. delusion, of all those things. And yeah. that's a video. That's yeah. a video. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what it is. And the beauty, just like in the 12-step program, is once I tell the truth about that, once I admit that that's true, right, that I process life through the, you know, through this lens, then there's a possibility to move beyond the duality. Yeah. It's, it's only when I admit it, like the first step, and tell right. the truth about it, right. is there any possibility to move beyond that duality. And so... Ultimately, they were speaking about it the same way, in the same, and you, you know, you could look at all the things. In, in, it kind of blows in, my mind, I just have to say, because I'm just, I, you know, I, I went the 12-step route, and I go to meetings and stuff, and I felt like there was this very profound feeling, like some of the things that you hear in the rooms or that you read in the big book are profound to like this cosmic degree, but then some of the language around it, like it can, it can turn people off. It turned me off in a way. Yep. But if you boil yep. it down to the core, like the things you're saying, it's like, God, how did those guys do that? You know, that's actually pretty profound. I assert that the 12 step program it, it is brilliant, is brilliant. I, well, let me put it this way. I assert, I assert that the 12 steps are brilliant. The, yeah. appli the application of the program has been flawed and, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I, I'm not going to put yoga on a pedestal because I've seen the same kind of thing. Oh, same thing. All the, right. Well, like exactly. that, when we're talking about someone like Bikram, like the, you know, the way you and I both started, I mean, you know, there's, yeah. that's like one exact perfect example. It's whenever humans exactly. get involved in any sort of thing, exactly. they fuck it up. Exactly. But the, <laughs> very well said. The, but the 12 steps themselves are, are, from my viewpoint and from my study, from everything I've seen in actual, for real, for real application, are fucking brilliant. Mm -hmm. They're fucking, and they're exactly what Patanjali is talking about here. And yeah. it codifies that. It gives me a way to, to structurally look at it. Right. Because, you know, I have, you know, and I was guilty of this myself for, I, for a while you know i could go in a 12-step room and you know i've been around them long enough i could talk the talk you know and and i can make you think i was gandhi in the 12 you know <laughs> in the 12-step room you know but for a while once i really got this thing around around yoga and yoga philosophy i could do that in a yoga space as well yeah. i could talk that talk Right. I know the language I can do. I can I can make you think, I'm, you know, and we've seen that happen before and misapplied in the domain of yoga. This gives me this gives me a structure, you know, with the 12 steps that I can measure. Right. I can look at I can for real, for real, take a look at what's really going on. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I are you I I have a specific question about um about something, but are you do you want to go through the clashes? Like, is there anything else there no, that you do? No, the root of it is is that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. And everything else, the, all the other branches that extend from that. I mean, I could talk about that all day long, but the, the, the real root of that is, you know, that whole thing, stinking thinking and avidya are the exact same, same thing. thing. Yeah. So I, I had a hunch about something. Well, I, it was not even a hunch. It was just like a, um, maybe an accident for me. Um, where I I started practicing yoga, um, you know, maybe f- 15 years ago or 12 years ago now. And I started teaching and I was really drawn to it for a, a lot of the same reasons Holly talked about, you know, the, I guess, more shallow reasons that I was a runner and it physically made me feel the same sort of high as like a workout did because I was doing this rig- really vigorous yoga. Um but it also had, there's something else there. Like when, when I did my first ohm in a Baptiste class, I was like, Oh, there's something here. Something's <laughs> happening. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and it's what I think it is, is what you're talking about. You know, you, you accidentally, or, you know, depending on the teacher, um, deliberately align, you know, your five bodies and you feel more integrated, you feel better. Um, but the piece that I found to be missing, I want to know if you agree and maybe expand on it, is in the 12-step program, There's the body isn't addressed at right. all. And it's not even really not addressed. It's kind of like neglected. It's like do whatever right. you need to do to your body right. <laughs> and, just to keep this, you know, to keep yourself sober. Right. And I found for myself when I paired, when I did the yo, I needed both as well. But I wasn't drawing, you know, philosophical, like, um, I wasn't connecting the dots that way, per se, you know, right. in the ways that you just said. So as you were talking, I'm going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, yes, there. But can you talk about that? Is that was that a big piece for you in putting the two together? Absolutely. Um, you know, and today, the, the way that you're absolutely right, the 12 step program, you know, talks about the the addiction as a disease of body mind and spirit right but it but it does other than detox there's nothing related to body there's right. absolutely there's absolutely nothing related to body and and the the whole spirit thing it really is a, a spiritual program and mm-hmm. i get that but there's nothing specific there you know it talks about prayer and meditation but then leaves that to for you to go on your own, right? Yeah. You know, go go figure that out by yourself. What it really addresses more than anything is the cognitive. You know, it, it addresses yeah. a, a lot of the cognitive pieces. And so and so and and the, the biggie that was missing for me is what links those three things together. What links the body, the mind, and the spirit together? Why Why should I consider that the same? And that was where yoga gave me, you know, some answers that, that uh, okay. uh, yeah, that was important to me. You know, and of course, it's breath and prana and life force and, mm-hmm. you know, all those kinds of things that are the link between the, the body, mind, and spirit. And when I align my breath and my mind... And then my body, there's something that happens within that within right. that alignment, right? 
And so I was the same as you. I was missing when, when that body piece uh, became so visible for me and so, you know, just in my face, then um, I knew that I had to coordinate, link these things together. How did you start to do that? I mean, how did that happen? Like, did you just think, I'm going to get out a piece of paper and start connecting dots and then I'm going to, what, teach right. a class? Like, how did that even right. happen? No, no, I started to take, and this is one of the things that we do specifically in, in the Watching the Star program. I started to take a lot of those little phrases that you hear in the 12-step program and turn them into actual embodiments, turn them into what I was learning on the mat about the way that it feels, turn them into sensate things. And the whole idea was to give me and, and now to give others tools to use off the mat and in your life. But and like as a teacher, you were doing that? You yes. were Okay, so, and you were doing it on purpose. Like you would say- oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm curious about the specifics because we're both teachers. I'm like, how does that, yes. you know, how did that take shape? Like you. That's, that's exactly what I did. Well, first, a Watovisar meeting, well, Watovisar, what we do is we do like, um, it, it, depending on the amount of time that's given. So uh, we do a meeting, then a practice, or a practice, then a meeting. Either way, it doesn't matter which way you as long as the two are combined, right? And so there's a discussion group that's based in 12-step principles and, and yoga principles. And then following that, or prior to it, depending, then there's a practice. And usually the practice is themed in whatever the topic is of the meeting. And what, did, what would a topic be like? A Surrender, it's a Correct, spiritual yeah. principle, right? Or just yeah. like it would be in a 12-step program. Acceptance. Yeah. Gratitude. Uh, you know, which yeah, look, yeah. Look a whole lot like the Yamas and the Yamas we were talking about a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you, were you like, and sorry to keep drilling this, I'm just so curious. So, That's okay. so, so were you like, okay, I'm going to start pulling these things because you were teaching yoga. I assume at some point you quit your job and you were starting to teach yoga or you did both or something like that? Yeah, I, I opened yoga schools here in Indianapolis. So yeah. Okay. Okay. And yeah. so you started to have classes. Were they like recovery yoga classes or were you just like trickling this in and seeing yeah. how it works? No, no. I started doing after, this was after some work, a lot of education. My, my study, a lot of my studies with um, a yoga teacher named Gary Craftsell. And he was, he's very, very, um, that's where, where I did, you know, my 500-hour yoga therapy work. Okay. And he is, is extremely versed in the sacred text. And okay. as, he, as he was, you know, teaching this stuff, I started making all these connections, all these connections. Okay. And then where it happened, you know, physically on the mat, like I said, I would all of a sudden recognize, for example, one of the interventions, little interventions, we always take time in one of our teacher uh, classes and really teach mountain poles, for example, mm -hmm. right? So, and, and we use that 
that is the intervention of, of again, keep coming back, right? Yes. So the idea is, what is it off my mat that I can keep coming back to, even when I feel a sense of trigger, even when I feel a sense of that? Because, you know, you know, you stand in mountain pose and you're connected, right? Yeah. When I'm, I'm out of body and, you know, creating my own scattered craziness, I'm a pushover, right? I'm, I'm not I'm not even in my own body to be in my own life, yeah. right? So to energetically show the difference of what that feels like in, in, in a body, we call that our keep coming back intervention. And the idea is once I recognize it and once I aware, I'm aware of it, I don't care where I am. You know, if I'm in the CVS or the grocery store, I can always keep. This is what it means to keep coming back at a at a at a sensate level, right? Level. Body, body, mind, and spirit, and you know, and it's something that I can do. It doesn't cost anything, and it's something that I can come back to in any moment. I just have to remember to keep coming back. And this is physically what it means to keep coming back. And so I took all these phrases, took all those little wonderful close to phrases. That's pretty cool. Like, did you know what you were on to at the time? Because this has now become like an international thing. Yeah, yeah it has. And hell to the no, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I absolutely, I had, yeah, I, I had, you know, I'm, I'm grateful. It just, it feels like something that I was a vehicle through which this should come. Right. So yeah. I, I know. We, we know that. what that feels like. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> get that. Like, I guess I'm on this ride, so I'm just going to keep going. That's right. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. So, I, um, Paul, do you have some specific questions? I, I think I would just love to know, um, you know, how people can can work with you and, and um, what you think the future is too, like where, where some of this is going for, for your program or recovery. Wow. wow. Um, yeah, that's the question I have. <laughs> oh, good. You know, with, with the pandemic addiction is, yeah, what, what, you know, vision wise, what I, I really want to, um, offer energy toward, let me put it that way, is, is again, broadening this definition, this whole thing that's going on now. And, you know, what you guys are so much a part of that I love is taking the stigma out, right? Mm -hmm. This whole removing the stigma of addiction. Because I assert, you know, when we look at it from this bigger lens, like Patanjali is speaking of, that we're all addicted to the way we process our reality. That's right. We all are. We all are, right? And so let's just take the stigma out of it, right, and, and deal with it from this perspective. And I think when we broaden that whole perspective that we can create a model through, through which to begin to address some, some even some bigger areas like racism, sexism, mm. all those kinds of things, right? All those kinds of isms, right? That we can even use this kind of model 
to address some of the bigger, bigger addictions to the way that we are to the way that we think. And I can't even I mean, I can't agree with that anymore. It's been a really interesting year, right, with everything. I mean, I think since last summer through this year. Um, things have gotten really intense in in America, at least. It's gotten a lot more real for a lot of us, um, what's happening. A lot more people are being forced to wake up. And, and, you know, there's been this pull. There's been this pull towards activism. And I've had to keep recentering myself in this and remembering that this is a primary activism, that when you are working with populations um, to provide these types of roadmaps, towards healing, that that's really truly where, where most of, where not most of this, where all of this begins. You know, if everybody was in recovery, um, in this world, in, in their own particular brand of recovery with whatever set of, of, of issues that they're working with, then we'd be in a much different world. And so, and so happy that you said that because I, it's just, it's such yeah. an important point to consider that this is, this is like primary activism working on, it, on the self. It really is. It, and I bring this up in all, in anything that I'm a part of and anything that I teach, right? Because ultimately that has to be addressed too. I said earlier, I was talking about, um, I was talking about, you, you asked me about the disease of the lost self, mm-hmm. right? And, and I assert that that's what sits underneath any addiction. That's I, right. I don't care. It sits underneath any addiction. And sooner or later, I don't care whether it's a substance or a behavior, it has to be addressed. That's it right. Has be, that's it has right. to be addressed for healing. And so that's what I get at from from that, which means all the rest of this has to be addressed. Yeah. So 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 I'm interested in the in this bigger way, this broader definition, this bigger way that you know we're all addicted to the way we process our reality. And step one is admitting that. And once you admit it, there's a possibility to transcend, to move beyond that duality. It's we're in the matrix, right? That's right. So, <laughs> we <are>. That's right. <laughs> I didn't see that movie until last year. And I was oh, like, really? yeah, no, I know, I know, whatever. And I was like, oh my God. Like that's um, we're in the matrix. We're in the matrix. We're, we're in the matrix. Right. And, and I've taken the blue pill. And the first thing to to be beyond the matrix is to admit that you're in it. Right. It's right. Gotta, gotta, <laughs> gotta take the blue pill. Uh, yeah. Nikki, you're just the coolest ever. I want Wait, to- hold on. But I, she didn't answer. Yes, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt oh. that thought. But but you didn't answer what the plans are to expanding and like where how and oh, how yeah. people what, can access it. Next? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um <laughs> I, I wish I knew the answer that why Thomas are, you know, by something that really is so beyond me is just growing in in leaps and bounds. And so what I do and have now um, worked to train others to do as well is go out in the world and teach, you know, addiction professionals and yoga teachers in particular how to bring Wachovasar offerings back into their own home community. The model for this is the same model as the 12-step program. You know, that, you know, these are grassroots things that you come back and start in in your own home community. And, you know, it's just kind of taken off. 
And so, um, I've, like I said, trained a couple other people now as well. And the goal is to train several more to do uh, the trainings to teach addiction professionals and to teach yoga teachers the basis of, you know, because I would say, you got to be careful because you're still dealing with addiction. You know, the big thing that's cunning, baffling, powerful, right? So there's some things to work with that we've seen over the years in dealing with the with addiction in, in this domain that people need to be aware of, right? <laughs> and so right. We, do, we do the training. So I see that continuing to expand and... Um, and uh, you know, the, just the hope. But I, the vision is that what focus our meetings will be just as accessible as AA, NA, OA, SLA, EIO. I always say EIEIO kind of meetings, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're gonna call this podcast. EIEIO. EIEIO. <laughs> and the point is, like, over two hundred different kinds of twelve-step meetings, and. Yeah. It, it must be there's something there for something, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so the idea is to have this be as accessible, not as a replacement, but as an adjunct. You know, another piece of a sustainable platform for addiction recovery. Yeah. You know, and so um, and so that's kind of the vision, and, and that's the vision, and hopefully, and I see it manifesting. I just see it coming to pass. So that's that's. Words, as far as I can see it. And people can go like on the site. You have a lot. Of, I know you have all your trainings listed, and but you also do you have meeting locations and how does that run? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, a tab off the website that says find a meeting or cool. you know something you can put in your zip code and you know, that kind of thing. Are yeah. you going to be at She Recovers? I think I saw you posted something on Facebook. I am. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, we'll be there. So we'll. I love it. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. I'm are you running a session or are you just going to, are you coming? No, I'm running a session on codependency. Oh, oh that's I, so exciting. Sweet. I can't wait. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I'm this so has excited. been, yeah. yeah, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. And, um, and I love your work. I'm such a huge fan. And I also plan on taking the training. Um, oh, so me too. Yeah. love it. I love it. And I'm a fan of yours. I think I, I absolutely am from the first time. Actually, I saw your work, uh, maybe it's probably two years ago now, I think, you know, or some time ago. And it, it intrigued me from the very, very beginning. And I am uh, a big fan. And I want to let you know anything I can do to support you. I'm certainly welcome. I'm certainly <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, this is how we do, right? Like this is, I mean, this is what's so beautiful about it is, I mean, it's a it's a small community, right? Like there's a, it's a, it is a small community and, and it's, it's just kind of beautiful how much we're all willing to help each other with all these different approaches and all these different avenues um, and all these, and, and also like all these just like different humans, um, you know, so it's just, it's, so yeah. Many yeah, yeah, but um major pleasure thank you nikki thank you so much yeah thank you and i look forward to seeing you both face to face yeah you too <laughs> all right bye. bye all right bye bye for now Wisdom.
Let me 